It's Friday the 26th of October 2018. My name's Jeremy Medlin and welcome to episode 13 of the Stock Market Movers podcast. Before we kick off, just the standard reminder that nothing that I say today should be considered financial advice. Um, if you are looking for financial advice, I'd recommend that you speak to an authorised financial advisor. And everything that I do say today is based off my own opinions and views, so don't buy or sell something based solely off what you hear. So a, a show of two halves in, in many ways today. So first we're going to be kicking off with a couple of takeover New couple of takeover updates from during the week. One from SLI Systems in Christchurch, and one from Orion Healthcare in Auckland. Both are structured in pretty different ways, and the Orion Healthcare one in particular, while not maybe a traditional takeover, certainly you know looks like one and and is is a bit more complicated than normal. And then we're going to be looking at a couple of potential IPOs on the NZX. So first is from a cannabis company called. Canna South, and I've got a bit of trivia question that you can think about while you're listening to the episode, and I'll give the answer at the end, and that is, how much revenue would Canna South have to generate, and given the same valuation as Tilray, which is another cannabis company in the United States, to be the largest listed company by market capitalization on the NZX. So that is, how much revenue would Canna South have to generate to be the largest company on the NZX by value if it was trading on the same valuation as Tilray in the United States. And then just to finish off, we're going to have a quick word about AMP Wealth, which is potentially looking at a listing on the NZX as well. So right, that's all for now, so let's get underway. The stock I wanted to talk about this week is SLI Systems Limited. SLI trades under the ticker code on the NZX, believe it or not, SLI. Um, So they're a you may or may not have heard of them. They're they're a small cap company in New Zealand. Um, their current market cap is thirty five million, which is a lot higher than it was this time last week. But I'll get to that in a second. So they do, I I, I guess you could say, optimization for company websites and a bunch of other IT related services as well. So for example, you might be. I don't know, Katmandu, for example, and your search function might be really terrible on your website and SLI will come in and optimise it for you. So they haven't been a profitable company until very recently um, and they have, I guess you could say, over the long term, disappointed, well, you're a disappointed shareholder if you've held the stock over a long term. I think at one stage they were $2.50 a share and they're, they're Fifty six, fifty six cents a share this week, but they were a a, a lot less as well. Um, so what happened last week is they closed last week at thirty cents a share, and it seems like every week at the moment I'm talking about takeover offers because there was a takeover offer from a company called ESW Capital on SLI Systems of the variable price of sixty three cents per share. Now the reason, and I, I do like this actually, the the price is variable is because it depends on how much cash SLI Systems has in the bank at the time of transaction. So if their cash and cash equivalence level increases significantly, then obviously the price of the takeover will increase significantly as well. Um, so it's not a confirmed offer or anything yet, but it looks like ESW are taking this one quite seriously because it looks like they've found a way to acquire 51% of the stock. So it's... <sighs> It's a serious offer, and if they've already got 51% of the stock, and it looks like 
they'll they'll push to get the rest. And it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out. There's no real time frame on the on, on the takeover notice, so we don't know yet. But the real reason why I wanted to talk about this is just in relation to insider trading because my brother actually works for SLI Systems in, in Christchurch and I spoke to him today and, and he was obviously aware of the, the news around the takeover before it happened and you could get the, the theoretical example, obviously I wouldn't do this even, I wasn't aware of it by the way, but even if I was aware of the takeover, there could be the situation where say my brother slips me word that the takeover, there's going to be a takeover proposal and I load up on shares beforehand and then take a quick profit the next day when the shares jump, jump 100%, which is obviously what they did. And that you know, is, is, is would be insider trading. And I, I guess it's a word of warning for anyone out there in New Zealand because, you know, if I've got a brother at one of these companies, chances are you have someone you know at a, at a company in New Zealand as well. And you theoretically one day could be put in a position where you do have inside information. And I guess it's important to, to realise that you, you shouldn't really act on that. Not, not you shouldn't really, you shouldn't act on that. Because if you do get caught, the consequences are severe, and especially in such a black and white situation that 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 I described. And if, if you're wondering why, it's because the... <sighs> It is inside information in this definition is 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 material information that the rest of the market does not know. So you're acting with an advantage over the rest of the market. And the reason why it's illegal and should be illegal is because the person, if I were to buy shares of SLI on the knowledge that they were going to get taken over prior to the takeover, then I'm buying off someone that does not know that information because you wouldn't. You wouldn't sell me your shares if you knew that the next week the stock was going to get taken over and it was going to be worth 100% more. You just you just wouldn't act on that information. So it, it, that, that's the reason why these insider, informa- insider trading laws exist is because so people that would have inside information cannot take advantage of people that or the rest of the market that doesn't have that inside information. And it is it is really important that you that you do, you know, respect those laws because, you know, it would be very easy to get caught out by it. And and these days the the regulators, you know, have software that scans the market and can can flush out potentially suspicious trades. I, I have seen lots of situations in New Zealand and before where I believe that, that there could potentially be insider trading. Now, there's no way you could prove it, but what you quite often see is a stock starts moving two or three days before the announcement comes out and, and there's increased volumes and things like that. And, you know, it, it, there's no way of proving you just based off information you see on a stock chart. But you sometimes wonder, you know, who was who placing those trades and, and, and why. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things to certainly be aware of because there's a good chance that if you're listening to this podcast, there's a, there's, there's a chance that you know someone that works in a publicly traded company and especially in if you have access to that sort of material inside information, it's important that you don't act on it. And if you are unsure about it, then one thing you can do is is, is contact the company and, and, and ask them um, and, and, and they'll tell you um, or, or speak to someone within the investor relations department and they'll tell you. But yeah, interesting with SLI systems, it, it looks like... It, it looks like to me just on the surface that this this might plough on forward, but obviously there 
there is some some water to go under the bridge here and they haven't given a, a time frame to go by either. So that's one I'll keep an eye on. One of the reasons that I like doing this podcast is it gets me looking at companies that either I don't usually pay attention to or companies that I haven't previously done any research on. And that that's something that's happened over the last couple of weeks. And the company in, in question is Orion Health Group, which a company it's a company that a lot of people are, are no doubt familiar with. So Orion trades on the NZX under the ticker code OHE, and it also, believe it or not, has a listing on the ASX under the ticker code OHE as well. And it's a stock that has been, well, you know, we mentioned market darlings on the podcast quite regularly, but it's been the opposite of a market darling since its IPO. So it's gone from, I think, a high of over $6 a share to where it is today at about $1.05 a share, and it, it got as low as $0.85 cents a share. Now, the reason why it's performed so badly, basically you can split Orion up into three businesses. So the first is is the Rhapsody business. Now, this, this business is, by all accounts, an excellent business from what I can see. Now, I guess before I go into more detail here, it's not Orion's not a company I know too well, and what I'm about to talk about is quite complicated, so there's no doubt some inaccuracies with what I'm saying, but I believe it to be you know generally correct, and I'd always recommend that you do your own research to confirm any inaccuracies that do spill out of my mouth, so to speak. So there's the Rhapsody business, which is, is a really good cash flow positive business. There's the population health business, which is okay to bad and then there is the hospitals business which seems to be pretty terrible um so basically the population health and and hospitals wipes out all the cash and then some that rhapsody generates and reading between the lines it seems like orion to me is basically running out of money um and it seems to me that they need to do something to stop them running out of money and it seems to be that the only option is to get taken over and that's essentially what is happening with Orion at the moment. Um, So the options is to either try to raise more cash somehow and judging by how beaten down the shareholders must be, if they were to raise more cash it would probably be at a ridiculously low price and it would dilute shareholders severely. So what they've done is essentially shopped around for a buyer. No one wants to buy the whole business because it's got two bad businesses that come with it. So they've negotiated quite a complicated transaction with a UK company called HG and what that transaction is, is instead of a standard takeover through a you know, your regular takeover or a scheme of arrangement. They structured this as a share buyback. Um, it, it is quite complicated. It comes with a 111-page document. Um, I battle my way through most of it, and I've, I've sort of got, got my head around the key points. So basically, HG is acquiring the good parts of Orion and leaving it with the bad parts and 
some cash to keep the company functioning. So they're acquiring 75% of the Rhapsody business. It'll be interesting to see in the future if they try to get the 25%, an extra 25% to make up the 100. But 75% gives them effective control. They're acquiring 25% of the population health business and they are going to continue to own the hospitals. Um, Orion will continue to own the hospitals. And that will leave Orion with the hospitals business 100%, 25% of Rhapsody and 75% of Population Health. Um, so they're doing this through a share buyback as opposed to so HG can get the assets that they want. They, they clearly don't want the other businesses. Um, and this is going to go through to shareholders at 116 to 126 per share, which is a significant premium to the 85 cents a share. And to be honest, it seems better than the alternative which is probably either taking on a lot of debt which a bank may not want to give them or raising money to losing shareholders at a, at a pretty low price. So during the week this this received approval from the Overseas Investment Office. I, I didn't really, I, I always thought that was going to happen because you know it, what what alternative are they block, block the transaction and essentially doom the company. So yeah, I, I see this as relatively straightforward. Um, the reason why there is a range in the share price between 116 and 126 because it, de it, it depends on how much cash Orion has on their balance sheet at the time of transaction. And it is interesting to note that this 116 to 126 is actually revised. Previously when this came out it was higher. So the risk is that the 116 to 126 range will drop and that, that is the risk with the transaction and if it drops it will need to go through to the shareholders for approval but it really does depend on how much cash they are burning. I sort of see this as, apart from that side of things, a pretty much a, a, a done deal although I, I could be wrong because unless HG finds a way to, to get out of it, but they seem to be pretty committed at the moment. So um, um, it, it seems to me to be a done deal because, to be honest, I don't really know what the alternatives are, but we'll see how it plays out. We should get more news maybe early November by the looks of things. Now, I'd heard rumours of this for a while, but an article in The Herald during the week confirmed it for me. Uh, the headline for that article was Kiwi Company Poised to Become NZX's First Listed Medical Cannabis Play. So what we've got here is a company called Canasouth. Um, now they're looking to list on the NZX in the second quarter of 2019. Um, and... The thing I'm most looking forward to is seeing what the ticker code's going to be. Um, we obviously don't know that yet, but you get some, with some of these marijuana companies overseas, you get some quite cool ticker codes. For example, Canopy Growth, the ticker code is WEED, W-E-E-D. So I'm probably most excited to find out about what the ticker code is going to be. So I had, I had a quick squiz at Canna South's website. There's not not a, a lot of information available in the news article in terms of their profitability and everything like that. Um, they, they, they've basically said on their website, I'm, I'm paraphrasing massively, that they're a biopharmaceutical research company. Um, and when you hear about a company that uses the language biopharmaceutical research company without knowing anything more, and I could be completely wrong here, it normally means that they're not profitable. When you hear language like 
Johnson & Johnson is engaged in the research, development, manufacture and sale of pharmaceutical products, you know it's a company that's probably profitable. But when you say they're just a, a research company, it probably indicates that they're not profitable. Not that there's anything wrong with that, um, but it probably follows the trends of other marijuana companies overseas that that you know don't don't really make that make that much money but are worth some crazy valuations um it said in the website that they've got an experienced management management team going back to 2002 um so you know i guess a lot of experience in the industry there i mean i remember back to 2002 i was still at high school and you know the legalization of marijuana wasn't really a a, a topic for 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 any sort of conversation you sort of heard how the netherlands had legalized marijuana and that was about it um but you know i've I've seen my views on this in the past that it's it's probably for me it's going to be a real industry sometime in the future and there's going to be a lot of money made there i think a lot of the marijuana industry is is trading purely on on hype at the moment and with valuations that isn't really grounded in any sort of reality um, it'll be interesting to see how the IPO for Canada South goes. I suggest that in many ways it is smart for them because they are taking advantage of an industry that is on, and excuse the pun, on a high at the moment. So it is it is raising money at, at, at a good time from that perspective. Um, interesting to see how it plays out. I, my guess is that whichever way it goes, the, the valuation, I, I imagine the IPO to be quite well subscribed. I mean, just being involved in in this in the industry, you ask so many questions about marijuana companies. It's not funny. So it was like Bitcoin last year. So that suggests to me that there is going to be some sort of demand for the shares. That's that's just my gut feel. I I get the feeling though that the valuation will be t- dependent upon the wider valuations in the industry as well. So. If it's still a big boom market for the marijuana companies on the IPO, then I suspect it'll probably get a, a premium valuation where the valuation is quite far away from reality. If the marijuana bubble, so to speak, has has popped up by by the time of the IPO, then they either might delay the IPO or you'll probably find that the company trades at quite a depressed valuation and then it then it could be an opportunity where because the sector is really beaten down it might be an opportunity where where if you look into and I don't know if they are you might look into it and find out that Canada South is a really really good company and a really really good buying opportunity because the whole sector is beaten down but my bet is if they were to IPO tomorrow with the hype that you're currently seeing overseas in the industry is that it would, it would currently be madness <laughs> it would be madness you'd see some crazy valuation and some heavy buying amongst retail investors so fast forward to you know the second half of 2019 when they are ready to list i think the big thing will be what the rest of in terms of the where they trade at what the rest of the industry is doing and i i suspect either way it's probably going to be a little bit removed from reality, although I've got no way of confirming that, so we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, interesting one to, to watch for me, and it'll be interesting to see when the prospectus comes out what their business model is and what, if any, revenues they're generating and what, if any, profits they're generating from that. But certainly one to keep an eye on, especially in an environment at the moment where you're getting a truckload of takeovers but not very many IPOs. Another listing that the NZX looks like it's going to get next year is the AMP private wealth management business. And what's happening is AMP in Australia, as is, is everyone 
you've no doubt heard of is the of the Royal Commission in Australia. Basically, they're tearing apart the banking and the financial sector over there, and no one's come under the pump more than AMP. So, what what looks like it's happening is that they're splitting off the wealth management assets and. It looks like they're going to pursue an IPO of that business in New Zealand, and this um, this does interest me actually because I, I quite like wealth management as a business. The reason I like wealth management as a business is that it's it's very scalable. You know, once you're set up and and, and you're running along, as long as you're you're good and what good at what you're doing, when you add more funds under management, the business scales with virtually no cost. Um, and and there's some some great examples of fund managers in in Australia that have that have, that have done it, it, extremely well. Magellan, for example, and, and and some others out there. And the AMP one, I mean, obviously, would need the prospectus to come out and find out how much bad stuff the company takes with it from from AMP. But you know, the wealth management business, I, I would be interested in in seeing the price of that and finding out more when it does come out because it, it could you know it's not not enough for me to run out and buy it straight away but it would be really interesting to see how it plays out and it's good to see with all the takeovers recently a couple of IPOs potentially as well um and the other thing I like about the wealth management business while we're on the on the topic is that typically it doesn't take much in terms of capital expenditures um if you think about what a wealth management business actually costs you know generally you you're doing some advertising but you're sitting in an in an office building that's been built for you by someone else there's not a lot of ongoing investment or heavy machinery or you know you keep your IT systems up to date but apart from that there's probably you know not significant investment going on um so I, I do like the wealth management business and it just depends on, the, it is cyclical obviously, you know, if, if the markets are all depressed, they can make less money because they've got less funds under management. And in some ways these days it has become a bit of a commodity product in the sense that a lot of these fund managers are doing the same thing and there's so many of them that it, it, the switching costs and everything like that, that have decreased. So it is sort of a bit more of a commodity product than what it used to be, but it it is it is business that's of interest to me. So it'll be I think the second second half of two thousand and nineteen, but really interesting to see how 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 this goes with with AMP and what what else might come from this Royal Commission in Australia as well. Right, well that's all we have time for today. I think just before we go, before I answer the question that I spoke about, it is worth giving word to the to the market volatility and, and pullback that we're experiencing at the moment. So I guess the first thing is is not to panic is, is, is the most obvious answer. But then you're probably wondering why is it happening? And certainly there is no immediate catalyst like a big bankruptcy or a housing bubble or anything like that that's kicking things off. But what you are seeing in the United States is the is the creep up of interest rates. And what that means is is basically people can get are suddenly starting to get a worthwhile, maybe not a worthwhile, but they're starting to get at least a noticeable amount of money for fixed income investments, whether it's in the bank or a bond or whatever it might be. And what happens there is when you're investing in, in, in a company or or whatever it might be, you've always got to compare it to your opportunity cost. And the easiest opportunity cost is what you get in the bank for doing absolutely nothing. And as interest rates increase, 
then the relative attractiveness of stocks decreases. And that's I think that's what's happening with the repricing you're seeing at the moment with the NZX down from its highs and everything like that. So I don't know what's going to happen with interest rates. Um, Peter Lynch, the famous investor, says if you spend 15 minutes thinking about it, about it every year, you've wasted 12 minutes. But it is probably the most important factor in terms of what what happens with stock prices, although it is virtually impossible, in my view, to predict, although everyone disagrees with me on that. Um, so, you know, I think with the increase in inflation that you're seeing in the United States and elsewhere, it chances are it is going to lead to an increase in interest rates and 3.2% or whatever it might be isn't that much in the scheme of things but the market certainly is forecasting increased interest rates so it'll be really interesting to see how this one plays out in the markets but it's just worth reminding everyone that as investors valuations are reasonably high at the moment and as as long-term investors we do want lower prices if we're going to be net buyers of stocks over time then we do want lower prices so you know, don't don't get too sad about it. Is what I'm saying. So, I said at the start of the show that I'd ask the question about how much would Canna South have to make in revenue if it was valued at the same same price as Tilray in the United States to be the largest company in New Zealand. So, Tilray on a trailing twelve month basis, obviously not a forward basis, made twenty million twenty and a half million US dollars last year, and its market cap is over $10 billion US. So that trades on 496 times earnings. Now, that would mean Auckland Airport, believe it or not, is, is just taking the spot as the largest company on the NZX at, at $8.29 billion. Um, so Tilray's bigger than Auckland Airport somehow. Um, and that, that's bigger than Meridian, Meridian Energy, Fisher & Paykel, A2 Merck and all the rest. So for Canna South to be valued larger than at a, at a higher price than Auckland Airport based on Tilray's valuation, it would have to earn or its revenue would have to be 16 million New Zealand dollars. And at 496 times earnings, that would place it on a market valuation of 8.29 billion. So obviously, I can't imagine a world where Canna South is valued higher than Auckland Airport, but that's probably an illustration of, of some of the, the valuations that's that's operating in the marijuana industry at the moment. And if nothing else, while I think it's, a, like I said, likely to be a good long-term industry at some point, if nothing else, that's, that's, that's what you should think about when you're investing in these stocks at the moment. Right, well, we'll see you next week and, and keep calm out there and happy investing. See you later.